Many people thought they were being treated to just a regular game here this afternoon, a Monday matinee against the Vancouver Canucks. No, it was the craziest game that has probably ever happened in Minnesota Wild history as the Wild score seven goals in the third period in route to a 10-7 win. I don't even know where to start as this one looks like it was trending towards over as the third period started, but the Wild had far different plans as they come away with a huge win. We'll recap everything from five goals in five minutes to Philip Gustafson getting pulled. A lot to discuss in tonight's Lockdown Wild postcast. Let's fire it up. You are Locked On Wild Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Minnesota Wilds pick up an insane 10-7 win over the Vancouver Canucks here today at the XL Energy Center, a game that featured seven third-period goals, featured two Minnesota Wild hat tricks, featured four power play goals and Philip Gus. I I need a cigarette. I need a a drink. I, I don't even know what to do. I'm still sitting here trying to wrap my head around what we just saw. And we all, can talk about what we saw in the first couple of periods because we can't just discredit what happens. Vancouver took the lead. We went into the third period at five to three. And then all of a sudden Vancouver just kept putting the wild on the power play and the wilds kept taking advantage of it. Um, The five on threes, Wild had a couple of those early on in the game. They weren't able to, uh, they weren't able to capitalize on them. But then, as the game went on, they did, and they were beating Casey DeSmith in basically the same way every time. They were just getting the puck to between the faceoff circles and just letting it rip. A great job by Eric Sinek, by Zuccarello, by Kaprizov, by Boldy of just continually getting the puck to that part of the front of the net and just continuing to beat Casey DeSmith, who, by the way, was 5-0-1 against the Minnesota Wild in his career heading into this one today. And he got absolutely torched in this game. Um, If you would have told me that somebody would have had a worse goalie performance today than Philip Gustafson did. I wouldn't have believed you, but Casey DeSmith to his credit found a way to do just that. Um, And let me tell you the seeing this one at the X was something because this has been a case for most of the season is that the, um, the, the fans have just, they, they, they are just waiting for, opportunities to go crazy and to go nuts in these games and the wild have not consistently been able to give them those opportunities especially early on and this place it was so loud my ears were hurting in the third period as the wild scored five goals um 
in five minutes. They had taken the lead. They had tied the game and taken the lead in five minutes in the third period. Like let's let's just go through let's just go through the timestamps on these goals. Jewel Erickson X scores 29 seconds in to the third period to make it five to four. Kirill Kaprizov scores 123 in to make it five to five. Jewel Erickson X scores again at 144, so 20 seconds later to make it six to five. Then 448 into the first period. Marco Rossi is credited with the seventh goal of the game. That makes it seven to five. 512 into the third period. Kaprizov scores again to make it eight to five. I've never seen anything like it. I don't think it would have made any difference what Vancouver was doing because I saw some people on Twitter wondering, you know, why didn't Vancouver pull Casey DeSmith? And both of these teams are playing back-to-backs. So Vancouver gets to go play Colorado tomorrow. The Wild gets to go play Winnipeg. I don't think bringing Thatcher Demko in would have mattered because it just, this was one of those few instances in which things just completely flip. And I don't think there was anything really Vancouver could have done. And to Vancouver's credit, as a team that is the toast of the Western Conference, they continued to push. They continued to fight. They got it to eight to seven. But it just, for whatever reason, for whatever cosmic reason there is, the Wild just were not going to be denied. And it's funny because you heard after the game, John Hines was asked, like, what did you do? What did you do between the second and the third periods to um, to fire this up, to get this comeback going? He said he really didn't do anything. There was no immaculate speech. There was no, like, throwing a chair or anything to try to get everybody fired up. And... I don't know how much credit should be given to that goal that was taken off the board in the second period. The Wilds thought they had that crazy goal that never went in, but they thought it should be a goal for Kaprizov. They thought that that was going to be the goal to get it to five to four. That goal got taken off the board, but I think at that point there was maybe a feeling of, Hey, we could actually do this. And the reason that the Wilds were able to do what they did here today was because they just kept attacking. Even when they were trailing early on in this game, the Wilds attacked a ton. They were attacking from the get-go. They had opportunities from right out in front of the net, and they could not get those to go. Vancouver had only two shots through like the first, I don't know, when did... When did Vancouver score their second goal? 13-21 was when JT Miller scored his second or the second goal of the game for Vancouver. That was the second shot of the game for the Canucks, and yet they had the two nothing lead at that point. The Wild did get the uh, the equal the um, cut it to one with 19-10 gone in the first. I, I I'm I could sit here and say a thousand different things. But honestly, I just I still just cannot wrap my head around the fact that what we saw is like a a once in a 
Blue Moon type game. Ten goals is a franchise record ever for the Minnesota Wild. And they scored seven goals in the third period. I have never seen anything like this. I could watch hockey for 10, 15 more years and may see this once or twice. And like this is this is kind of the thing. There, there now is the dual dichotomy of uh, of how you react to this. Like, do you do you kind of say, "All right, this is this is the start of the run," or do you kind of look at um, all the things that led to the Wild getting to behind five to three? Um, and I, I don't know, honestly, whichever way you, whichever way you want to go, like I still am just trying to process everything that we saw, um, in this one. I, I mean, five goals in five goals in five minutes, a game in which your goalie, a game in which your goalie gets yanked because Philip Gustafson was not Philip Gustafson was not good today at all. But then again, Canucks got completely off kilter and uh Casey DeSmith just got torched in this one here um today that top combination I know a lot of it happens on the power play but that top combination those those three guys and in particular like let's let's hierarchy this Kirill Kaprizov and Jewel Erickson were possessed today um absolutely possessed they were on an insane level Erickson Eck getting to the front of the net he also had a couple of different breakaway opportunities Kirill Kaprizov was just skating all over the ice um but Matt Boldy had a good step up game here today Matt Zuccarello came back after a very quiet game uh against the Buffalo Sabres and so you get all of those, you get those like top five guys that just completely carry the uh, the weight here today. And we still had a couple of guys that just, <laughs> just were there for the ride. So there's there's a lot to there's a lot to um, break down from this game, which is why you may have noticed we did not have our typical Micheletti Monday episode here today. Um, Alex and I are going to record tonight. It, it the, these one these one p.m. starts on Mondays are kind of weird, so we're going to record tonight mainly because that gives us an opportunity to um, just try to figure out what the hell happened in this game. Um, so that's kind of my two cents. Is it just it's one of those that is different from what we have seen from this wild team. Because so many times we've seen them kind of seed the game in the third period. Like you're down five to three, you maybe get it to five to four, and um, but that's as close as you get. But it's you've got you've got two different things that you can look at here. You know how you got it to five to three. And how you got it to ten to seven. So I, I I had a lot of fun in this one, especially in that third period. That was just outrageous. Um, and so you know that's I think the big takeaway here is is it was just it was fun to see 
some just absolute chaos go the way of the uh, the Minnesota Wild. And so now the Wilds are sitting two points out of a playoff spot. We, we've got a lot to get to here uh, in this one today. So we'll break and then we'll come back. We'll get your comments. If you've got any questions that you would like to have answered um, in this one, just line them up in the comments and we'll get to them before we sign off here for today. Again, the Minnesota Wilds, 10 to 7 win over the Vancouver Canucks, seven goals in the third period. I I still am just trying to wrap my head around what we just saw, but we'll do our best to do that as we continue our Locked on Wild postcast after this. Tonight's Locked on Wild postcast is brought to you by Camino Consulting. How would you like to get to know someone better in an hour than you would in a year? Understanding one another better prevents small misunderstandings from becoming big ongoing fights. After providing more than 20 years of service to small and mid-sized businesses, helping management groups navigate conflict and onboarding new employees, Camino is offering a digital seminar for families and couples. Did your Valentine's gift of tickets to the game not go over as well as you'd hoped? Get the couples and family online seminar for 25% off for the month of February using the discount code Locked On. Again, that is discount code locked on for 25% off for the rest of the month at CaminoConsulting.ca. Or mention Locked On when reaching out for a business seminar and receive the first five profiles free. Again, that's CaminoConsulting.ca. CaminoConsulting.ca. Tonight's Locked On Wild postcast is also brought to you by Sleeper. And folks, Sleeper is here as we fight towards the end of the season to tell you you can win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Lockdown NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. And folks, let me tell you, if you took Kirill Kaprizov, Jewel Erickson Eck, Matt Boldy, Matt Zuccarello, they cashed in pretty much every category that you need to have a big day winning 100 times your money. You can also play Sleeper Daily Fantasy NFL, NBA, MLB, and college football. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability welcome back to tonight's lockdown wild postcast the minnesota wilds beat vancouver by a score of 10 to 7 and we will get to your comments here um there has been a lot of uh a lot of this in um recapping today's action what happened how did we get to this point and Quite, fr- quite frankly, I really don't know. I So there's one thing to be said about the amount of penalties that Vancouver took in this game. They put the Wild not only, um, I think the Wild were four of six on the power play in this one today. But the thing I think that killed Vancouver was the fact that they just kept stacking the penalties on top of each other. It's one thing to get called for a trip or a slash. It's another thing to also commit a delay of game penalty in that same time period or to commit another penalty. 
And it's not as if there was a little bit of overlap in a lot of these cases. The Wilds, in the five-on-threes that they have, the last three at least were a minute-plus each. And credit to the Wilds on the power play for, again, getting to the same spot and continuing to attack the net. And this is something that we've seen from the Wilds when their power play is going well is they set up shop with a Jewel Erickson or somebody right in front of the net in between the two face-off circles. Then they kind of box around trying to kind of pass the puck to each other to get defensemen out of position or to get, in this case, Vancouver players to try to come out and challenge. And you get the goalie focused on, in this instance, in the Jewel Erickson Eck goal instance, I think it was Matt Boldy on the right side faceoff circle. All of Casey DeSmith's attention is on Matt Boldy, and then you quick pass to Jewel Erickson Eck. He's ready to shoot, and you just laser one past him to pick up the goal. And it just, the Wild just hit that formula every single time for all five of those goals. It was just the same thing. Just attack the front of the net. And it's like when you stagger a fighter, you just go right back to that same area. Like if you knock somebody down in a UFC fight, how many times do you see the fighter that gets the knockdown just go straight to the head and just try to hit it as hard as he can repeatedly over and over and over again? So credit for this wild power play that we have seen be far too selective at many points throughout the season. Far too selective. Really play with purpose here in this one tonight. And I mean, Casey DeSmith, a pretty good backup goalie for Vancouver. Absolutely just got shredded in that, um, that third period. As Brian notes, fastest six goals in 25 years um, by his. And I mean, it it was within the first five minutes and 12 seconds of the third period. The Wild all of a sudden had they went from being down by two to up by three. It was just it was insane. It was just it was crazy. And, you know, Quadrum brings up a great point as we pivot off of that. Quadrum brings up a good point because you are going now from a Vancouver team that scores a ton of goals to the Winnipeg Jets, who at last check, they they're currently losing to Calgary by a score of four to three heading into the uh, the third period of that game. But they're also on the road. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, as of right now not counting today's standings, they have allowed the fewest goals in the NHL, in the entirety of the NHL, and it's not by a little. They have a large lead on the next closest team. They've allowed 119 goals on the season in 52 games. So you're not going to be able to do this to the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow. You're going to have to fight for everything that you get, It's a very physical Winnipeg team. And so the worry then is, can you get the goaltending to kind of keep Winnipeg in check? Because this is going to be a much, this will be a much tighter game 
um, than today's was. But Marc-Andre Fleury will start. John Hines said that after the game that having to bring Fleury in in this one did not change his tune, did not change his strategy. So it'll be Marc-Andre Fleury in net against the Jets tomorrow night. You just have to, at this point, you'd like to see more balance from the scoring department, but this has the makings of a ride your top line all over it. That's the line that has been the most consistently excellent over these last um, these last few games. They combined, and again, it was on the power play, so it doesn't count all at once, but those three, Kirill Kaprizov, Jewel Eriksson and Matt Boldy combined for seven goals and nine assists tonight. So they had um, like, thir- I think it was 13 points in their first three games together. Um, the stat that Denny had the other night. Well, now they have a 16, 16 points output by themselves. Um, just insane in this one. Um, in this one tonight. So that was just, it was just outrageously, um, just outrageous. Uh, do the wilds continue to get backup goalies as a fringe playoff team you know it is interesting it seems like the wild do match up with backups quite a bit i think the way vancouver looks at it with casey DeSmith's history against this team and it's not necessarily the the win loss record itself i think he just plays better against a a high volume of low angle shots the wild shoots low quite a bit I think he just uh, plays better against that than Thatcher Demko does. So I think for that instance, Vancouver was like, we feel very comfortable with Casey DeSmith in this game. And uh, the Wild just made him pay. That does wrap up the series against Vancouver. The Wild went to... um, They went 2-1. and against the Canucks and uh the goals the goals for and the goals against were pretty close it was three to two in the Canucks favor after the two games now it is uh 12 to 10 in favor of the Minnesota Wild so congratulations uh to the Minnesota Wild for like tripling their goal output uh against Vancouver in just one single game yeah Dougie, the atmosphere was um, it was outrageous in this game. I keep saying outrageous, but it's the perfect adjective for this. It was just it was insane, um, and it got louder every goal that the Wild scored. And so you go from that first goal to make it five to four to that goal to make it eight to five. Um, the fans got louder every single goal that was scored. And that was really fun to see because for large stretches of the first and second period, it got pretty quiet because there just wasn't a ton that was going on for the home team. They trailed pretty much the entire game. So there wasn't huge reasons to cheer for that. And then um, and then the Wild just completely flipped the game. And just that that is... Even even back to two years ago when they scored all the goals, the Wild never did that. 
never did that. And so this is something that is just a rarity to see um, from a team like this that just has large stretches of time where they struggle to score. Uh, NASCAR Kelly noting that the game will be replayed tonight, 7 p.m. and at midnight as well. So if you missed if you missed the goals, if you want to see the goals again, I do. Um, you can uh, have that opportunity to do so uh, here this evening. Tomorrow will show what team we are, a team that has hurt Kaprizov twice and embarrassed on a back-to-back wild need to show up. This is the thing. This is this is the thing that I have been criticized for being far too negative about is not showing faith in what this team is doing. Because we've seen this a thousand times this year where the Wild have picked up wins against Eastern Conference or Western Conference teams below them in the standings. And then they come away with a win like this and people hop right back on but then they lose the next game six or seven to nothing so that's the big test and so in the significant seven as i'm calling it these seven games coming up that are really like they're really just make or break for this season the wilder one and oh was it topsy-turvy to get there yes but at the end of the day you get two regulation points And so the Wild accomplished the first goal of these seven games, which is to win. But now you got to go out and do it against Winnipeg. You got to go beat the Jets. The Wild have struggled with this so far this season. And you can't let it see. This is the other part of it, too. You can't let it just devolve into kind of this this mess of frustration like that's what happens in the second game of that back-to-back after Kaprizov was was injured in the first game second game turned into just a a fight fest you've got to beat them on the ice and continue to pick up these critical wins uh the wild as of right now courtesy of their 58 points and with Seattle losing right now uh, the Wilds have vaulted into a tie with Nashville with 58 points Nashville is currently losing to the Detroit Red Wings three to two and the other teams that are in this fight as well which is pretty much just Arizona because um, they're the only other team in action right now. Uh, Arizona is currently leading Edmonton 3-2, to two, trying to snap their nine-game losing streak. Um, they are eight points back of the Minnesota Wild at this current moment. So let's. I'm, I'm excited for tomorrow's game, but it's an opportunity for the Wild to either show who they really are or for the wild to show us who we have seen them be pretty much all season. Now let's discuss a couple of other things. Um, As Michael Berger music asks, did Rossi play fourth line with Lucini and Letary? Um, Greetings from Austria. It, 
Hines did a lot of roster juggling um, at the end of this game or down the stretch because there were, it seemed like stretches in which I think he tried to kind of let's throw Kaprizov in with these two guys for a little bit of a longer shift. And then when it's time for the other two to come off, then Boldy and Erickson Eck came back on the ice or let's throw Matt Boldy in with this guy and this guy. It seemed like he was trying to mix some guys in because those three were going so well that I think he was just trying to mix them in for longer stretches throughout the game to just try to help provide a spark to the rest of the lineup. Boldy had 18 minutes, 34 seconds tonight. Erickson Eck had um, 21-23. Kaprizov had 20 minutes, 41 seconds. Ryan Hartman actually played 20 minutes in this game. Ryan Hartman also had a just atrocious penalty in this one. So I'm actually surprised by the minute count for um, for Hartman. Rossi finished with 11 minutes and 7 seconds. Um, so it was there were some interesting combinations down the stretch and uh it was i don't know it's it's just interesting that um that they were able to uh to come away with that win so it is hellebuck in net for the uh, winnipeg jets here today which means that the Wild will get another opportunity to try to crack Laurent Brassois. And Brassois, the last time these two teams played, got the start. It was not Connor Hellebuck. And for, let me just go back to the numbers for Brassois in that game. He stopped 24 of 26 shots. And uh, the Wild ended up losing that game by a score of three to two. He has been, he was really good in the three starts that he had in January, but he also played Anaheim, Chicago, and Toronto. In his most recent game on the eighth, he lost four to one to Philadelphia. It's the same situation. It doesn't matter if it's Connor Hellebuck or if it's Laurent Brassois. You just have to attack the front of the net. You got to make that the priority. And if this team tries to kind of hit from, um, from if the shots come from outside, that's not a uh, real great recipe for uh, for success. Every hockey game ever played is a much tighter game. That's accurate. <laughs> You're not gonna the. In fact, the only time I think there was a game last year where it was like. 13 to 11. And that is the only time I've ever seen both teams get as close to the goal count as, uh, as this one. So I, uh, I don't know what, I don't know what to make of it. No Felino, no Maroon tomorrow. Duhame. If, if there's fighting that happens in tomorrow's game, it'll be Duhame or it will probably be Hartman. Those are probably your those are probably your fighters on hands for uh, tomorrow's game against Vancouver. Shasha replaced Johansson on the second line, and Freddie 
should head to the uh, press box. Let's look at the Lifetime Fitness Cardio Awards of the night for tonight's game. So even though even though Connor Dewar didn't have a shot on net, he still had five hits and two block shots. Brandon Duhame had a block and four hits. They both played about 13 minutes apiece, which was uh, was nice to see. But uh, Freddie Goudreau, 12 minutes, 54 seconds, no shots, one block, one hit. Marcus Johansson played 17 minutes, one shot, one block, and was a minus two. In fact, that, um, that second line of Johansson, Zuccarello, and Rossi, were they were the line most commonly scored against in this one. And look, even though Zuccarello was a minus two, he did have a penalty as well. He still had a goal, three assists, and looked better than he did in that game against the Buffalo Sabres. So it's all about guys just showing up and just contributing something to the mix. If you are going to hit a bunch of people, okay, that is your contribution to the game. If you're going to block a ton of shots, awesome. That's your contribution to the game. But when we have these guys that are on ice for like 17, 18 minutes a night, and they don't have really anything that they contribute. And then you look at the analytical side of things and it's like, well, their Corsi four was in the thirties. Yeah. That's not a great sign either. So it's as of right now. And I saw this on Twitter quite a bit. It's a one, this is a one line team and you're going to need to get more than that as the season unfolds. As Trav noted, Seattle just tying it up. So it is 3-3, and uh, there's 10-16 remaining in that game. GA007 has called me on this before, but he's he's, ab- he's absolutely accurate. Um, Hartman played four minutes on the power play, so let's just look at even strength time in this one. Um, Boldy... So Hartman played 15 minutes, 37 seconds, even strength, and was four four of 11 in the faceoff circle. Played four minutes on the power play, played 44 seconds on the kill. Uh, Beyond that, Kaprizov had 14.22 of even strength. Boldy had 12.17. Jewel Eriksson-Eck had 12.52. Marcus Johansson had 14 minutes and 21 seconds of even strength time and really didn't do a ton with it. So that is uh, just great. What time is puck drop tomorrow? 1036 (laughs) a.m. It seems like that's the case is that these back-to-back games, the Wilds end up having to play an afternoon game after an afternoon game, but it is actually, it's actually a 7 p.m. puck drop tomorrow. So we get the late start after the afternoon game and, uh, ah, good call. Um, Middleton can also drop the gloves. So there are players out there that can answer the bell if needed. 
Will giving us the high watermark. The highest scoring NHL game was a 21 goal game between Edmonton and Chicago. Wild getting close. Setting the poor goaltending and defense aside, the refs really lost control of this game. They let Vancouver interfere over a dozen times just in the first. That led to a few goals, obvious screens. There, It was interesting on that. Um, it was interesting on that second. Or no, it was the first Vancouver goal. There were two Canucks that were both setting screens in that area. And uh, Gustafson was not able to see it. But then you look at some of the other goals. The Elias Pedersen one was was really I took issue with because nobody tried to go get him in the faceoff circle, and he just lets it fly. Gustafson doesn't see the shot. Um, as Hines said after the game, he said Gustafson was really fighting it today, which is why he felt the need to go to. Um, uh, I just blanked. Flurry. They're they're playing they're playing hockey out here on the ice, and so I completely just lost my train of thought. But Hines felt the need to go to Flurry because Gustafson was fighting it and just did not look right um, out there on the ice. Now I don't think it's an injury situation per se. He just he just didn't have it, and sometimes goalies just don't. And so Flurry came in. I, I can't imagine having to come in. As a goalie, I mean, you've you've warmed up, but you didn't take any of the starter reps. Yes, you did get some work at the end of the um, of the warm up session, but you you're sitting on the bench for two periods. You you get kind of cold, and so then getting the um, getting the the call, hey, you're going to come in. You you got to go warm up in a hurry. Like I would have to go hop on a bike. I would have to go like face the the hockey equivalent of the the pitching machine. I I don't envy anybody having to do that, but um you know, the Wild won today in spite of their goaltending with uh just a a chaotic offensive output um through the uh through this one. People on Instagram are mad saying the refs gifted the wild all these power plays. I see again, we talked about this at the start of the show is if you fling a puck over the net off the glass, like out of play, that's, that's not a ref making a call in favor of a particular team. That's a penalty. And so the thing that happened for Vancouver, that's, um, and this was a very physical game too. Like there was plenty that happens. There's that weird penalty in which Matt Zuccarello and um, Matt Zuccarello and one of the Vancouver players both got taken off the ice because they got into a sword fight out there uh, before the faceoff. It's the fact that Vancouver just continued to. Um, just stack them together like that was nothing that was nothing that the wild did in particular to earn any of those that was 
That was just how things played out in this one. This is why Flowers and HOF. I can't imagine, especially at his age, to come cold into the third down five to three. Especially against a team like this Vancouver team. Like, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. When the Canucks made it eight to seven, I fully expected they were gonna tie it up. Um I, I just I just can't imagine asking goalie to do that. Um and yeah. Four two man advantages you might get in a year, not a game. I, I I don't think that I have ever seen anything like this in terms of the wild getting that many five on threes. I'm just glad they capitalized on them because how long have we seen that so far this season in which they just are incapable of scoring on a five on three? Uh, oh wait, they did it earlier in the game. Can you help me understand what Freddie brings to the team? I can see that Jojo has speed, but what does Freddie do besides being a trustworthy guy? Whatever that means. I'd be trying to offload him ASAP if I was Bill Guerin. Um, so this is, this is an interesting one because we remember we've, we saw quite extensively how many times Dean Evason would go to Freddie Goudreau for a late faceoff for um, any, any number of things. He's the, the shootout King or at least was under Dean Evason. I think Freddie was a guy that Dean and obviously because they had history together from previous minor league stops, obviously that's in play. But I just think Freddie Goudreau was more of a Dean Evason like go-to player. And John Hines has come in and the two go-to guys, well, the from a center perspective, the go-to guy for him is just Jewel Erickson Eck, which is it's exactly how it should be. So credit to John Hines for saying, you know what? No, I'm going to I'm gonna just use our best center in the instances in which we need critical face-offs. We've seen that a ton since John Hines took over, which makes a five-year extension for a guy who is coming off of two seasons after being a relative unknown just seems like a mistake. It seems like it was given out too early for a guy who, if we're being honest, what we see now probably peaked at 19 goals and a lot of that was done because he had extreme skill players on either side of him Goudreau was the center for the um Kevin Fiala and Matt Boldy experience from a couple of years ago and so he benefited from those players being able to put him in good situations to score and now that he's playing a bottom six role which is where he is far more equipped those opportunities just aren't there. Honestly, it we've we've talked about it a ton. If we're looking at um, if we're looking at the extensions and the ones that I have the most issue with, Freddie Goudreau's is on top of the list. Like Matt Zuccarello, at least is still producing. Um, Ryan Hartman has moments. I would probably put Marcus Foligno's second to Freddie Goudreau. 
But that Goudreau deal is just, and it's not even the AAV. Like I've had people press me on this on Twitter. Um, I've I've had people press me on the Goudreau AAV. Two point one million dollars is fine. Five years with a fifteen team no move. That's the problem. If you would have given Freddie Goudreau a like a two year deal. I would not have said a word about that. But five years for a guy who has only really played two full NHL seasons and it was with extremely skilled players, that seems like a uh, that seems like a little bit of a premature extension, if you're asking me. Is there a beer league game being played at the X? That horn's going out. Yeah, there there is some action down here, and it's actually, ironically enough. Because of the game that we just had, it's six six right now with twenty three minutes to play in the uh, the first period. Um, shots are twenty four, or no, those are actually still the Minnesota Wild numbers for shots, but the goals are still accurate, six and six. So, yeah, that's my biggest thing with uh, with Freddie's. It's just because again, like I'm not I'm not naive to the fact that. As the salary cap goes up, player contracts are going to go up as well. It's five years in trade protection. Like they're just there's just not a scenario in which that makes sense for me. So that's my biggest issue there. Again, Zuccarello still producing. His contract is only a couple of seasons. I get fully get why his happens to line him up fully with Kirill Kaprizov, and he's still productive. Hartman's again, he is a shoot the puck type player. The penalty that he had today, I nearly caved my skull in, banging my head on the on the desk. Um, but he's still, you know, he's still sitting at I think 15 goals this season. So it's just it's these other ones that have been handed out that that cause me great great headaches. But all in all, crazy win, ten to seven for your Minnesota Wilds. Um here in this one today. Yeah, Trav knocked it out of the park here. Freddie has played himself into a full no move. No team is going to inquire. You would have to you'd have to you'd have to sell when Dean Evison goes to the Los Angeles Kings and is their head coach next year. It's going to be a real hard sell because you just fleeced the Kings in the Brock Faber trade. If you were going to get Freddie Goudreau to be sent there, you would have to really sweeten that. And at this point, I I'm not super thrilled about having to attach something to get rid of a guy. But that's the that's the bet that this team has made. So can't wait to see how this plays out because this will be this will be what we talk about all off season two. So the Wilds get the win, ten to seven against Vancouver. They now have the Winnipeg Jets coming up tomorrow night. Alex and I will recap all the action with a uh, Locked On episode for you coming up tomorrow. We waited so that we could do a Victory Micheletti Tuesday. How's that for you? Um, So we'll talk about all of this. We'll talk about tomorrow's game, but uh, I think I'm going to get on the road here as... uh, Still going to try to wrap my head over uh, what happens. Uh, if anybody has any questions that you would like 
answered for future episodes. I'm going to start doing this too. If you have a question that you would like to have answered for a future episode, shoot it to me in an email, lockdownwild at gmail.com. Um, I want to try to start putting some of these together. Um, so if you have something you'd like, if you have something you'd like looked into, just uh, just shoot it to me and we'll uh, we'll take care of it for you. Also, make sure to hit the like button before you head out for the day and subscribe if you have not already for future Lockdown Wild episodes and content. We have new episodes for you, including Lockdown Wild postcasts every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.